And so I was in such pain. I says, God, you've got to take this or I'm going to get drunk. You've got to take this. I can't stand this one more second. You've got to take this. And I got this knowing. I didn't hear a voice. I just got this knowing. And God let me know. He says, Tom, if I want you to have this, there's nothing you can do to screw it up. If I don't want you to have it, you don't want it. And so now I apply that in my business. I apply it in everything. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From Studio A, deep in the heart of Texas, for episode number 241, that was the voice of Tom H. that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you will be hearing so much more from Tom in just a moment, but first things first, this episode is being brought to you by Bob, Ellen, Adrian, and Jane. And what may you ask did Bob and Ellen and Adrian and Jane do to deserve such recognition? <laughs> well, they went to our website www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Bob and Ellen and Adrian and Jane. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. Much appreciated to help us keep the virtual lights on. By the way, I mentioned that website just a moment ago. Not only do we have a Yeller, yeller donate button on the site. We also have, well, you can listen to the podcast through the website. You can access the top episodes that we have. And when I say top episodes, I mean either most listened to or the voted on for the year. They were the most popular. Uh, we have sober resources and under sober resources, we actually have some step worksheets. Step one, two, what do we have here? Let me look at this real quick. So we have everything, but well, we've got like one, two, three, four, Five of the steps, five of the 12 are missing right now, but we have step worksheets for all the other steps. And I've said this before, but you know, there are, oh, there are all kinds of step worksheets, right? Now I'm not saying these are the best or the worst. They just are as another option for you. I've seen so many of these throughout my uh, sobriety, but we do have some there for you. Um, we actually have a little 
this thing, oh, oh, I love it that I have on our website. The lovely Mrs. M keeps this up, by the way. But we have a, a blog with all kinds of uh, articles. It just, I don't know, I, I, I sound cooler to myself when I say that we have a blog. Uh, and we also have ways that you can contact us. You can even leave me a voicemail through the website if you are so inclined. So anyway, that's at soberspeak.com. Uh, just give it a visit when you get a moment. So right now I am feeling on, okay, okay so a, a couple things. My, my beautiful daughter, uh, I mentioned this a, a couple of weeks ago. She is still dealing with mono and I, I don't, think I ever had it when I was a kid. I, I don't remember it if I did, but nonetheless, she is down for the count. And man, I feel so sorry for that girl. She's really been struggling and we're like a month into it now, right? This is not like two or three weeks. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, God bless her. I'm just I'm hoping she gets well quick. Uh, I'm glad we can be here to support her. But the reason I'm thinking of my daughter is because that she uh, for my birthday, bought me uh, some uh, essential oils. And right before I began this particular recording here, I there's like four or five flavors, for lack of a better word, or I don't I don't know how. What do you call them? All the different types. Uh, anyway, she got me these essential oils, and I took out the one uh, that is called uh, peppermint. And I've had the peppermint before. When I say had it, I've, I've experienced peppermint before. I took it out of its little, uh, in fact, I'm looking at it here right now. I took it out of its little uh, uh, package and it's here in one of these uh, containers, you know, where it, it looks a lot like, uh, and Gary Kay and I were talking about this once on the episode or, or one, on one of the episodes. Uh, it looks a lot like, locker room from when I, <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> and believe me, we were not using the locker room in the same way we were using uh, essential oils. But nonetheless, so I took the peppermint out and uh, I just kind of gave it a little smell. And then I uh, put some of it on my finger and I put it uh, below my nose. Um, but it, it's like, a, I guess, pure peppermint oil. And now my the top of my lip is just... Uh, burning is not the word stinging is not the word but there's definitely a sensation there and i can tell something is uh, present on the top uh, on my upper lips so anyway uh, that's what i am experiencing and the idea behind the peppermint oil is for me at least to kind of uh, get me in the mood wake me up a little and it has definitely done that so what kind of mood, John M., do you have to be in to record a podcast? I don't know, but I guess this is it. Nonetheless, let's get on down to Mr. Tom H. Tom H. today will be discussing uh, step three. Tom has been sober since December 25th. 5th of 1983. Yes, that is Christmas Day, and he is from Dallas, Texas. We take a deep dive into step three here with Tom H. Tom says, or we talk about how does one actually take 
step three. Something to consider. Uh, and then Tom talks about what if God is real and not an idea. And then Tom talks about how one can act upon hope, and then that hope becomes faith. So, ladies and gentlemen, please sit back, enjoy Mr. Tom H., and we will have plenty. Oh, listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Not at the end. At the end of, I guess, Tom talking. You know what I'm saying. Adios. Okay, everybody. So today we're sitting here again with a previous guest. His name is Tom H. So Tom H., I'm going to go ahead and have you introduce yourself. Give your sobriety date, if you wish, and tell people where you live. Thanks, John. I mean, not the actual physical address, <laughs> just, you know, the general, general area yeah. in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name's Tom, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, because the most high God did for me again today what I could ever do for myself. I haven't had a drink all day today so far, or any other day since Christmas Day of 1983, and I continue to be astounded by that. Um, I live in the North Dallas area, and Dallas North is my home group of AA. I came in there in, in uh, January 3rd, 1984, been there ever since. So, and I don't want to go through the whole story again, but you know, it's Christmas Day is when you got Christmas sober, Day, yeah. right? And uh, so, it, just in case you're interested in catching Tom's first episode, it is episode number, let me look it up here real quick. I've got it right here. Tom, episode number 213213, and it's called Tom H. The Delicate Chain of Our Lives, and we released that in November of 2021. Uh, one of the things that I remember that I still get a real kick out of is you talked about the, the term husband-in-law. Once again, I, I don't want to go back to the entire uh, uh, episode, but it, it was it was that was funny, and it kind of that stuck with me for sure. And so, uh, but I do want to cover before we go on into having a conversation today about kind of one of the the main themes of that particular episode was what we titled it. It's called the delicate chain of our lives. Yeah. So why don't just real quickly get, kind of recap that and what you mean by the delicate chain of our lives? Yeah, John, I was, um, uh, Reno John was my sponsor and he used to talk about, I've heard him do the steps in the last few years and he'd always start off by saying, uh, when I share, I get to remember my moment and you get to remember your moment. And that was his theme. So I got thinking, what's the theme of my shares when I get get in front of a mic and share my experience, drink and hope. And I'd always talk about the delicate thread of our lives. And now it's become a delicate chain because I got thinking about what if one thing had been different? What if I hadn't met that guy? What if I'd have taken one more drink or one less drink? What if I'd been married one more time or one less time? Apparently, God had foreordained the exact set of circumstances that led me to get sober on the day I was supposed to get sober. So I don't look back and regret. I, I've come to realize regret is also resentment I hold for myself. So I don't regret those things that happened. Apparently, in God's wisdom, it was necessary for me to get where I am. So I call it that delicate chain of events. So why the shift from, and I'm just, maybe this is too nuanced, but why the shift from de delicate thread well, I to get, delicate chain? I got thinking about a thread implies a continuity, uh, which is good. And I'd have everybody, when I'd share, I'd have everybody's close their eyes and picture their life and everybody's life in that room being a different color thread. 
and all those threads go all over the world, in and out of different institutions and okay, well, triples. Well, okay, stop, and it com- stop for me for a second, because I want you to do that, right? Yeah. Can we do that on yeah. the podcast? Okay, so first of all, if you're driving, this is not going to apply. <laughs> you rewind this and do this another time, yeah. right? But I think it would, I think it would be cool, kind of, for you to to walk through that. Now, yeah. maybe we won't be able to tr- uh, take the silence as, as far as we normally would yeah. in a meeting. But why don't you? Why don't we try that with the listeners? Yeah. If we just everybody, you know, we wonder about <clears throat> is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to do? If everybody would just close their eyes and envision the people you've encountered and the people you're with at this moment, and John and I right now. If all of our lives were a different color thread, and that thread just goes all over the globe, in and out of institutions and marriage chapels and courtrooms and prisons and jails and recovery centers and homes and, and higher education and corporate boardrooms, and all those threads come together at a moment when we were all together, all those different color threads come together at that moment, God's infinite wisdom had foreordained that moment when we would all be together. And it's not an accident. It's not an accident that we are all in the room. We're all here. We're all sober today. It's not an accident. And as I thought about that thread, suddenly realized it's not a thread at all. It's a very delicate chain. One little link in that chain could break. If it had broken or not been there, we would not be where we are this moment right now. If one, one thing had been different, we would not be where we are. Uh, and so I'm overwhelmed by God's providence to put me through what he went through, apparently for his, his reasons and his wisdom. I love it. So yeah. we I, I kind of got into a meditative state there, and then I realized, wait a sec, you got to bring yourself back. <laughs> <laughs> because we have a whole episode to do here. Do. But I think that's great. And so what's the reaction when you do that? Like kind of what we had here, people get very contemplative. Uh, it's it's kind of a mind shift, you know, and the doctor's opinion says we have to have an entire psychic change, and that was part of the thing for me. I started thinking about my past differently. We will not regret the past, nor wish to close the door on it. Apparently, it was necessary. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay, that's a mind blower to start us out. I love it. All right. So, so we talked about several things. Like I said, if you want to hear all the Tom's uh, first episode, go back to 213. Um, today... We decided we were go- oh by the way the other thing that I remembered you saying <laughs> is that you're a what do you call it a Irish Catholic CIA you, okay. Catholic Irish alcoholic C- Catholic Irish alcoholic but you also said something about a Catholic Democratic baseball fan oh, as yes, well the, right our family yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and we also do, and and I just I just have to say this because now that you're in front of me again I remember this like all of a sudden we were having a conversation and I looked up at you and I go oh my gosh you you do look so Irish I'm and Irish yeah people can't see you but describe your I mean, you look well, I'm I'm basically a old white-haired white guy, a very white guy. It's that Irish Celtic thing, and and uh, but your but your complexion is very ruddy, is ruddy that complexion. Term? That's yeah. it, and and. Uh, you know, I, I watched a, uh, a summer show one time of a guy named Sullivan, and he filmed it in Ireland, and a bunch of kids were standing around him, and I'm like, oh, my God, every one of those are my cousins. You know, I, 
I didn't realize they looked Irish until I saw that show. We look very Irish. The Kennedys and people like us, you know, it's that Irish look. Yeah. Did your did your face get even redder when you were drinking? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't imagine. Out in the sun and I'd get you know, I'd I'd burn all the time. So I'm dealing with that now. Uh but I was I was puffy and red all the time I was drinking. It was hard to hide my drunkenness when you're an Irishman. By your activities and your complexion. <laughs> But I have to admit, Irishmen either either get drunk and start fights or get melancholy and start writing poetry, and I was not a fighter. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, and it remind you know, that reminds me of that line that Fonzie used to say on Happy Days. He'd say, now he would say, uh, some people are lovers, some people are fighters. Me, I happen to be both, right, is what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, some people happen to be lovers, some happen to be fighter. Me, I'm not sure I'm either. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, uh, quit with the silliness. Now, silliness-ness. Um, all right. So um, we were going to – so we talked a little bit about this beforehand. Just yeah. kind of, you know, I always like to – I don't really – plan things out so to speak uh, but i do like to kind of have a, a sense of where we're going yeah and we talked about discussing the really the third step is what it came down to right the will of god turning mm -hmm. my life and my care over to the will of god and how do i do that what does that look like so wh why don't you share some initial thoughts on that okay yeah that that's uh that's john it's it's basically the essence of my entire program you know having to do that like I said, I haven't been raised Catholic. I had this idea of God, but it wasn't it wasn't anything that I'd abandoned that. So I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, and my first meeting, I saw God on the wall, and I was very offended. I felt tricked. I'd been tricked into some kind of program. I'd tried everything when I was out there drinking. Uh, so I came in, and I said, okay, I'll say the prayer and pay you a dollar if you let me come back tomorrow. So I, start, I thought the prayer was part of the penalty for being an Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Um, uh, and, and the young, a lot of the young guys I work with now have the same struggle with try, trying to find God because we have been, we've, one of my pastors I used to go to is the reason people don't go to, most people don't go to church because they've been to church, you know, and this whole separating church from God was a big deal for me. And I had to come to find out who this God was because I knew my life depended upon getting some kind of relationship with this thing. Also, I knew I'd been trying, and again, being Irish, we believe in, you know, fairies and mystical stuff and all that things. It's part of the culture. So I didn't have too much trouble thinking about something out there. So I said, okay, I'm just going to call that power and that thing out there, kind of the Luke Skywalker, let the force be with you is kind of the way I started. Uh, and I just started saying, okay, there's a power out there that's intervening in my life and help me to not drink one moment at a time there's some power i don't have power in me to do it there's some power out there i will call that power god so you'll know what i'm talking about because when you call it god i know what you're talking about regardless of what that is i didn't really know what it was yet but i just started trying to uh bring some of that power whatever that was whatever the source was bring that into me and give me moments um when I could not drink, when things got tough in the early days. And then I was sitting, and that worked for a long time. I started working the steps and using the higher power and, and uh, just a power. There's one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And the book says, it help you find a God of your understanding that will solve your problem is the purpose of the book. So I knew that God was the big deal. 
Uh, and so I just started doing that, started praying, uh, old Catholic prayers. I started breaking away from that. And, and uh, my wife had been raised. I met her in the program. We talked about that a little bit last week, last time. Um, and so I started going to some church things with hers, not more revivals than really church. So I just want to make sure I understand, and I may if, forgive me if I no. missed this, but when you're going through this particular period, mm-hmm. is this right after you got sober? Is it uh, more into? No, this is this is probably in the first year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, first year. Um, and so, um, uh, so I'm, I've got this God thing going, uh, and it's, I'm staying sober. Um, uh, and Reno John did a great job of helping me deal with some of that. Uh, you know, what this guy, he was, uh, raised Mormon, you know, so the denominational thing was not an issue with us. We realized two different approaches to this God thing. We both found him somehow. Uh, so, um, I was trying to appropriate this God thing into my program, trying to understand that. As so we get to the third step, and this has made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. How do you do that? If I knew how to do that, I'd have done that, you know, because I knew something uh, bigger than me had to solve my problem. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to go about doing that. Uh, and one day I, I may have talked about this last time. I'm not sure, but it's real critical in my program. Uh, I moved into my apartments down here in Texas, got transferred down here from Illinois where I was raised, saved my life coming down here with a church on one corner and an AA club on the other, every corner in Texas. Uh, so God just plunked me in here to get me sober and keep me alive. And so I was at my apartment and I was a real good high school athlete. Uh, and yeah, I actually went to college on an athletic scholarship. So I was a good athlete. They had tennis courts. I said, well, I'm going to be a tennis player. So I went out and bought my pretty little tennis outfit, you know, some little green shorts, you know, and I looked good. I looked good in my tennis outfit. Um, and I sucked. I was so bad at tennis, I even knew it. You know, I, it was just terrible. I, I was really disappointed. And then I saw on the laundry, it says tennis lessons, $10. I said, well, there's a concept. And so I got thinking about that. And I was probably a year and a half sober, maybe something like that, staying sober. And, and I said, you know, if I want to learn how to play tennis, I take lessons. And I got thinking, of how do I go about turning my will and my life over to the care of God? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. Try to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, and so I don't have to turn my will and my life over to God in step three. I just have to be willing. I just have to be seasoned to do that. Now, the adventure is going about finding out how mm-hmm. and letting it happen. Okay, so the process is laid out already. It's already. You just do the steps. steps. And right. you have a spiritual, and I've just recently I noticed is having a spiritual awakening doesn't have a spiritual discovery. You have a spiritual awakening, which means it's already there. I just got to wake it up. Mm-hmm. You know, God's already in me. I'd send you too, or the people listening right now, or we just wouldn't be alive. God's already there. All we have to do is just waken to it. Right. Okay, so so, so I want to dive into this a little further. So, and I agree, by the way, it's, it's a, okay, the process is there. It is laid out. My job is just to plug in. And then what is, why do you think that people 
a, a couple of things. Number one, why do you think that people will not plug into the process or they're afraid of the process or they decide the process is not for them, which is the steps. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that is what happens when people actually start moving through the process? What do you yeah. see happen to, not only to yourself, but to other people? Uh, you know, that's the whole program, isn't it? That's the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many people get hung up on step three, uh, as I did. And, and I think people resist that because, uh, they, they keep getting God mixed up with religion. Uh, and there's huge difference. Uh, I'm very involved in churches now and Bible studies and things like that. But I take the God that I was introduced to in AA into these different places. And they think I'm Moses or somebody because of all this reality, God reality stuff that you people have taught me. <laughs> right. And they're still searching for it. Right. You know, and they've been in these environments their whole life and they haven't found the reality of God like we have. Um, why does it, why is it that way? I think it says, if you have decided you want what we have, and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. I think a lot of times we come in here, we're not willing to go to any lengths. I think I got here, and I was so desperate. I had the gift of desperation. Right. We've talked about that before, the gift of desperation. I was so desperate. I, 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 didn't, I didn't come in here just to become a better person. I knew I was going to die if I did not get sober. I just knew it because I almost died out there. You know, so I had, I was so desperate, I was even willing to try the God thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, and there is, like you said, that gift of desperation. And, uh, and I realized that, you know, first of all, and, and I'm, we, I mean, we talk about this in AA. AA is not the only answer, right, for people getting sober. And I'm not even <laughs> saying it is, not at all. Yeah. Uh, however, if you decide the AA is your thing and you're going to be part of the AA program, uh, part of insanity is being in a 12-step program for that long, however long it is. <laughs> That's right. And not doing the 12 steps. Yep. All right. Um, and, and so, okay, so, so, so then let's break down then the step three and kind of more do a deep dive into that. It says, uh, oh, man. Made a decision. Thank you very much. <laughs> made a decision to turn i should have it in, on the walls yeah. in here just yeah. to you know like in the aa rooms anyway the senior moments yeah so maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay so you make a decision yeah what's that decision what's the decision that i'm making in that case yeah it's an interesting question uh, the decision is made the decision to turn my will in my life basically it's become willing made the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understood it. Okay, so will and, and life. life. A lot of people, you know, there, there's been, oh gosh, I hear people break it down all the time, what exactly will is and life is. And, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I get it. In general, I'm turning everything about me over to the care of this God. But when you think about it kind of more granular-like, what do you think about when you're turning your will and your life over to the care of God? Well, f- first thing is uh, my will and my life over to the care of God. Mm-hmm. It's still mine. He's just taking care of it for me. Mm. It's still my will, still my life. God's just my my, my tender, my caretaker, uh, or my will in my life. So he, he it's he's given me will. He's given me life. So now my job is to align that with his will. Uh, and so as I start doing the steps, I start you start saying, I wonder what God would have me do in this situation. And so incrementally you just start aligning this will that you've been given 
I, I don't think you can just come in and say, I've turned my will and my life over to the care of God and sit in the chair and wait for the lightning bolt to strike you. Right. Sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. I've seen people just get, you know, literally have like Bill's hot flash. Right. You know, this whole thing started with a hot flash, with right. an intervention of God. And I've seen that in some people. Mine was the educational variety. Uh, I think most people's are. Um, when we go through this, so I make this decision, turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And then I start doing what you told me because it worked for you. Okay. So let's let's put some examples around that. Number one, what would not turning my will and my life over to the care of God look like so people can kind of get a, an idea of that? Yeah. And then what does it look like on a day-to-day basis when I am actually turning my will yeah. and my life over yeah. to the care of God? I think the thing that is most apparent when somebody's not getting it is when they think to have to understand how it's going to happen, which means they're in their own mind, still in their own will. Ah. Let's say, if, if you can show me the plan, I'm willing to work a plan. You know, it's, that, it, it's not that kind of thing where uh, just do it, you'll learn about it later. That makes us very uncomfortable, especially for guys. You know, men were raised to be in control, make a plan, you know, plan the work and then work the plan. We've all been taught that, you know, and do your spreadsheet and your, uh, you know, do the critical path analysis on everything we do and then work it, work it, work it. And you can go out and grab the world by the hind parts and be successful, (laughs) you know, and it drove me to drink. Hind parts. I cleaned it up as best I could. (laughs) (laughs) So... so I think that thing, and we we I brought that same attitude. I use we, you know, including myself. I brought that same attitude in. I I needed to understand how this was going to work. If I could get this written down into a plan, uh, then I'll do it. But just saying, just go out not knowing how it's going to work, but just knowing that it's going to work. Right. There's a line in the book where it says, "Be sure to see where men and women of faith are right." It doesn't say that they're right. It says where they are right. Uh, And so I started saying, okay, uh, uh, who's the men and women of faith? The only ones I knew, the guys that wrote the Bible. So I started studying all that kind of stuff, you know, and reading where it came from. I read all the literature. So I started searching because early, if you, I still do this today in meetings. When they read how it works, I close my eyes and listen to it every day. You know, 38 and a half years later, I'm still listening to that every day. Some amazing things in that page 58, chapter 5 of the big book. If you listen to it, it says, God could and would if he were sought. I said, oh my God, it's in the search. Mm-hmm. doesn't say if he were found. Mm-hmm. God could and would if he were sought. So I've just got to be in the search. Right. And so if I commit myself, if I'm willing to search, I'm doing step three. If I'm willing to search for God, I'm in the process of turning my will and my life over to the care of him. Now, what is searching? Hold on, let me do a little break here, okay? And we'll get back to that. But you think about that while I'm reading this, okay? Uh, What does searching look like? We will be continuing our conversation with Tom H. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Soberspeak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at Soberspeak.com. There you will find approximately 240-ish other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. All right. So it's the old idea of seek and you will find, ask and you shall receive. Is is that knock on the door? door, Right, exactly. So what does that 
look like when when someone is seeking? I, I mean, what comes to mind for you? The first thing is I've got to be willing to do something different than I've done up until this time. Because everything I've done to this time hasn't worked, obviously. So I've got to be willing to to do it differently, take a different approach. Um, and the first thing is prayer. You know, they talked about prayer all the time. We used to talk about prayer constantly. Uh, I didn't know how to pray. I, I could recite the rosary in Latin. I could do the mass in Latin, you know, but I didn't know what it meant, but I could do that. And I and today I really appreciate the, the holiness of, of the, the Latin mass and that stuff, the holiness and the antiquity of it. I appreciate that. Not when I was there, though. I didn't understand it. And so I talked about it's prayer. So something changed within something you, changed. though, right? Yeah, I, I, there, it, there, there's nothing different about what the Catholic Church no, is doing. Right? Not at all. It's yeah, just my, how you're perceiving. Now it. I perceive it differently. Um, and so I was. Let me take a little side trick, and then I'll come back to this. I was in a meeting. I was four or five years sober, probably, and things were going pretty well. You know, I was, you know, doing the church thing and doing the stuff, and God was there. And one time, this young guy is fairly new in the program. He said, I asked myself today, what if God's real and not an idea? I said, oh, my God, that changes everything. What if God's real? So I started saying, Okay, I have an expectation of God being a reality, and when I appeal to this God, I have a rightful expectation of Him inter- intervening in my life because it's not an idea; He's a He's a reality. Uh, and so that reality of God then started impacting me, um, and so I started praying, start praying for things, and um, I'd come to Reno John and I'd say, John, I've got a problem with my job, you know, it's not going well. And John say, Tom, you don't have a problem with your job. What you have is a God problem in the area of employment. Mm. Pray about it. God, John, I need a car. My car's crappy. I need a car. He says, no, Tom, you don't have a car problem. What you have is a God problem in the area of transportation. Pray about it. <laughs> you know, and same, you, you don't have a woman problem. What you have is a God problem in the area of relationships. Pray about it. So I started saying these prayers, and I heard this story one guy was saying once. Prayer is like somebody coming up to you and saying, okay, Tom, there's a, here's a, a checkbook, you know, and there's an account we set up for you down at the local bank. It's got a million dollars in there. Have a good time. I said, uh, no, that's not true. I can't do that. That's, why would anybody do that? And so I don't write any checks, and I'm right. It doesn't work. But I get real desperate one night. And I have some, okay, well, I'll write one of these checks. They'll take it, and then I'll worry about it tomorrow. And the check clears. Okay, so I said, well, I'll write a little bigger check. And it clears. And pretty soon I said, maybe that's true. And I realized that that God thinks, say a little prayer and see what happens. And say another little prayer. And pretty soon you start realizing that prayer things are real deal. And it's not when God moves mountains and parts the Red Sea and calls down fire from heaven. It's when he does the little things. And I've got several of those. You're going to hear a couple of those where I started realizing that God was real. Um, I was working for a company that sent me down here, and I was having trouble. The partner in charge and I were not getting along at all. So I called my friend of mine back in Illinois that hired me on and sent me down here. And I says, Jim, I'm having a problem with Bill. I don't think he likes me. He says, it's not your imagination. He doesn't like you. <laughs> he said, it's nothing personal, you know, it's <laughs> right. nothing personal. He said that uh, 
Bill doesn't like anybody that's artistic, the artistic side. He's an engineer. He thinks anybody that's a designer is just wasted income. And remind people what you do for a living. I'm an architect. I'm a design architect. Yeah. You know, I get to I get to draw in color, and people pay me a ridiculous amount of money to do that. <laughs> uh, and it's fun. You know, 76 years old, I'm still drawing and coloring for a living. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, and so I started praying about that job. And so I went in the next day, and I just said, God— that night, I said, God, if you want me to have this job, then I will stay here. And if you want me to leave, you'll let me leave. So I went in the next day, and I was better. I just had a better attitude. You know, I'll stay here if God wants me here, and I'll go if he wants me to go. Within 30 days, I got a call from a classmate of mine that I'd run into. He was working for a firm in downtown, uh, uptown area now. It was downtown at that time. Uh, and they he they were doing these big houses. I used to drive around Dallas and see these huge houses. I said, God, I'd love to design houses like that. Wouldn't that be fun? He calls me. He knows I had some background in you know sticks and bricks, and calls me down there. And and so they hire me to be head of the residential design department doing those big houses down in the park cities. His name was Jim Auger. The name of his company was Auger Associates. My business card said AA on it. <laughs> so another little thing God reminded me. Had an old car that was about to fall apart. Uh, so I needed a car. A guy named Wade R. He's now passed on. Owned a used car lot. And I met him in, in the program. He was building a new little building. He knew I was an architect. He says, well, I'll trade you off some architectural services and put you in a car. I says, great. And it goes because the car I had, I was working for a company. That's another whole thing about that job thing. Uh, so I went out and was working for Waydrop, and I'd managed to save a little money this time. My job was going well. I had a little money in the bank, not much, a little bit. So I worked with Wade, and uh, he said, well, go out there and pick out a car that you like. And he said, what, how much you want to pay? And I says, well, little, nothing or, or less, you know. So <laughs> I went out and found this old black 1978 Oldsmobile 88. You know, it's black on the outside, black ruler inside, just a pimp mobile. It was great. <laughs> you know, it was just absolutely great. I just love that old car. The Irish pimp. Yeah. <laughs> the Irish pimp, that's right. So I'm driving this. So he puts me in that car. We come out, and he makes out the paperwork. And the paperwork, he, he missed it up first time, so he had to redo it. It came up to $1,672. I wrote him a check for $1,672. Now, I've been, John's advice, I've been praying about getting a car. And pray, I needed transportation. I needed a dependable car. I had kids in Illinois. I needed to go up and see them from time to time. So I needed a decent car. Um, and so I wrote him a check for $1,672. I had a few thousand dollars in my account, the most money I'd ever had in my entire life. Went home. Uh, walked up the mailbox, opened the mailbox. I had a, a tax refund check from the IRS for $1,672. Wow. I didn't even know I was expecting any. Yeah. One more time, God says, Tom, I got you covered. Yeah. I got this. Expect a miracle. Yeah. So now I walk in the expectation of those things now. God's personal. He loves He loves me best, just like he loves you best. Mm-hmm. And he loves everybody listening best. Right. Only God can love everybody best. We're right. all his favorite. Right. If God had a refrigerator, he'd have my picture on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But each one of us have our own refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Very cool. Okay. So the other part of the third step there that we really didn't uh, uh, touch on and this is the first time the phrase appears, uh, turning on my will in my life or the care of God as I understand him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, well, I guess we have ta- talked about that uh, up to this point because 
but that's 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 an i understand him i think that's father dowling gave that to bill at that meeting when he says bill you've got to you know you got to make this more generic or you're losing a lot of people and so father dowling gave gave him the concept of god do you understand him uh and i had a little trouble with that when i came in uh because you know, I don't know about you, my mind's a very busy place. <laughs> uh, John used to tell me, Tom, your mind's a dangerous place. Don't go in there alone. Right. You know, so, <laughs> uh, and so I got thinking about this. Uh, this is God to the extent I understand him. I don't want to understand God. If I understand God, he's smaller than my mind. And that my mind's where the problem is. So I like to think of it in terms of God to the extent I understand him. Mm. Uh, and so my understanding of God, my appreciation of God grows, still growing today all these years later as I continue to seek him and search for him and put expectations on him. Um, I, I got, you know, when I was doing that thing about finding people who knew God, um, I started studying Hebrew, so I go back and read the Old Testament in the language and do the studies in there because I figure I want to go base documents. You know, I want to know. If my life depends on this, I want to know that I've got the real deal going uh, and so I did that for a lot of years. And, and you, you, you take the word abide, you know, say God abides in us and we abide in him. I said, well, that's an interesting concept. I looked up the Hebrew word for abide. I don't remember what the word was, but I remember the definition. And it says to lie in wait with expectation. Mm-hmm. And so God resides in me waiting with expectation. I reside in God waiting with expectation. It's a mutual expectation. Um, and as long as we have that mutual expectation, if my expectancy is to stay sober, it occurs. If my expectancy to prosper, it occurs. If my expectancy is to be of service, it occurs. Because he waits with the expectation. He waits on me and I wait on him. Very nice. <laughs> so to kind of, I guess, put a bow on it here with the third step, what comes to mind from your experience, strength, and hope? I mean, you know, keep in mind you're talking to people all over the place, right? Yeah. Your experience, for instance, there's, there's going to be people there who have experienced the third step, and there's people there who are a little bit afraid of the third step and what to do with it and where to go next. But if you were to kind of summarize all that, where, where does your mind go on that? Uh, interesting. Um, it goes, I think, goes to hope. Uh, third step gives me a lot of hope. <clears throat> and I think, you know, we, we talk about hope a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, I realized one day that hope is a choice. I can choose to hope for anything I want. Um, I can say I hope for this job or I hope for that or I hope for that. Um, but then I act upon that hope. And if the response I get to that affirms that hope, then it starts becoming faith. Uh, and so then that hope confirmed becomes faith. If I hope for something, I step out on that, and uh, it is not confirmed, then I just go back and hope for something else. There you go. Um, what, and I think today I really learned how to turn my will and my life over care of God, if we've got enough time oh, for yeah, a quick story. Um, that, you know, you talked about the husband-in-law. Um, you know, the lady I had an affair with when I was early in AA didn't yeah, want to so, oh, got hooked up in that and she was still married and it was, it was terrible. 
Um, you know, and, and her and husband, how, how long were you sober at that point? About a year, year and a half. Okay. And she was just about a year. And, and John would tell me, Tom, you're going to get drunk. Don't do that. Don't, I said, no, I don't want to do that, but I can't not, not do that. You know? <laughs> right. And she looked, she just won the Farrah Fawcett lookalike contest. And I'm from small town, Illinois. So I was, I was hooked. You know? <laughs> uh, and so it got to the point where she moved to Florida with her husband and her uh, and her sons. I, I call him my husband-in-law because they moved back here. We ended up getting married, and um, but he and I are good friends. I, I met her through him, and so uh, we we share families together now and all that kind of stuff. So God worked that out in a great way for all of us. But she moved away, and I was in this little apartment, and I've just one you know snot nose in the carpet again, just like it was the night I told turned my wife over to God and told told uh, God I'm just a drunk. I'm not a good man. I'm not a good son. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good architect. I'm a drunk, and that's the night I the night of my last. You know, I really turned my will over to God, and this is another night like that. And so I was in such pain. I says God, you've got to take this, or I'm going to get drunk. You've got to take this. I can't stand this one more second. You've got to take this. And I got this knowing. I didn't hear a voice. I just got this knowing. And God let me know. He says, Tom, if I want you to have this, there's nothing you can do to screw it up. If I don't want you to have it, you don't want it. And so now I apply that in my business. I apply it in everything. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. And I've got to do what it takes. I've got to try to come in the line with his will in that situation. Um, and if I follow God's prompting, if he wants me to have it, it will be there. If he does not then I've got to know that I don't want it. I love it. That's a great way to, to wrap it up. And uh, you can see me over here. I'm uh, furiously uh, writing things down. And uh, you just so you know, usually when I'm writing things down, I'm thinking, you know, okay, this, I, maybe I'll put this at the beginning of the episode. Maybe I'll put this at the beginning. Of, <laughs> and you've got all kinds of stuff. And now I've got a tough choice to make <laughs> because you gave me so much to work with. So Tom, once again, it's been a fantastic having you over. Uh, honored to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you. God bless you. I'm going to wrap it up here with page 164 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find, like Tom is, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Tom H., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, my friend, thank you so much. Thanks, John. It is always good to spend time with Mr. Tom H. Absolutely enjoyed that. Thank you, Tom. We'll have to get Mr. Tom back on the podcast again. I am just so stacked up with people that I want to get on, people asking to get on and trying to make all that work. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing, right? There is as, um, Oh gosh, I can't remember her name now. Oh, she said, John, there, like, in other words, if I decided to do this, uh, uh, oh, Hillary was her name. Hillary, Hillary C. Hillary C said once, there are enough bozos on the bus to go around. I mean, I literally, if I had time, could do this seven days a week. We could bring in people, we could have them tell their story, we could go through step series. 
I could uh, put out uh, guest speakers on a consistent basis. I mean, we literally could do this seven days a week. However, I do have to take time to provide uh, finances for my family, and I'm not able to do that. But maybe when I retire, you know, I have thought about and, and I've talked about this. I've talked about it out loud. I've talked about it on the podcast. I would like to do this more like two or three times a week, but... Right now, at this season in my life, I just don't have time for that, but maybe someday in the future. Nonetheless, on now to a little bit of listener feedback. Mark writes in and he says, John, May 7th was my six-month anniversary. I just found your podcast by accident. Well, what a great accident, Mr. Mark. He says, I do attend a home group, but I don't have a sponsor. I went to rehab last November. I haven't had any alcohol or cannabis since. I still struggle with craving, but not as bad as I did at first. I help set up the meetings and hand out sobriety chips. I go to work really early, so it's hard to attend multiple meetings. I look forward to the podcast and catching up on your episodes one day at a time. Mark M. Thank you, Mark, for writing in. David writes in and David says, hello, John. Well, hello, David. He says, I live in South Florida and I celebrated 10 years last September. I hope to have 11 one day at a time. I got sober when I was 20. Good for you, Mark. You didn't have to go through those uh, years of hell like uh, many people did. And he says, throughout COVID, I have been doing mostly Zoom meetings and listening to podcasts though not enough of both, to be honest. And I think it's really great what you're doing uh, in your, and I get a lot out of it. I have recently just started attending in-person meetings again. Matt M. and Bill C. have really resonated with me. I just listened to Richard Rich B. and I got a lot from it too. I would definitely listen to Rich B. on a step series if that was something you were considering. Well, let me tell you, David, after I got your email, I had been considering it, uh, but I did. I reached out to uh, a Rich and I, I asked him if he would uh, come back and do some steps for us. And uh, he uh, agreed. It's going to be several months until we can get him on the calendar. It's a long story, but uh, I appreciate your input. He says, I love when you have people on for the step series, and I really dig it. I really dig into them. And I also... Uh, I know how you had Matt M on recently for an additional recording on what AA looks like in his life. Thank you for doing what you do in service and in gratitude, David. Well, thank you for your service and thank you for your gratitude, David. We really appreciate ya. Thanks for writing in. Carrie writes in and Carrie says, hi, John. I recently discovered that I have a mild case of alcoholism. Now, Carrie, I'm going to pause right there. <laughs> uh, I, I just know that there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people listening to this when we start with that. 
And uh, anyway, I won't comment. Hey, listen, everyone's got their own journey, but let me just, okay, so here we go. Anyway, hi, John. I recently discovered I have a mild case of alcoholism. And like Chuck C. used to say, from my perspective, Carrie, either you're pregnant or you're not, uh, as one of the two usually. But I understand. He says, and I have been sober since March 2nd, 2022. 2022. I say mild because I feel like I recognized and started treating my disease before it hit my rock bottom, like when you find a deadly cancer in its early stages. I feel fortunate to have had this realization so early when many others have not. And you're right about that, Kerry. My sponsor says that an alcoholic is an alcoholic. (laughs) Well, and I would agree, but I have identified with the situations of so many that I hear uh, from your podcast. And I feel like at some level, I feel like they were talking to me. I was able to walk my path to the end and realize it was not a good path for me. So I decided I needed to be sober. Funny thing, I was unable to get sober when I tried. In other words, and I just heard this on your podcast. I was unable. Oh, oh, in other words, and I just heard this on your podcast. I was unable to stop when I started and I was unable to stop starting. I needed to, I needed my higher power to help. When I asked for his help, I have stayed sober longer than I ever have since I started drinking in my early twenties. I met Buddy C. On one of his podcasts on Taoism, and he is actually my sponsor. Buddy told me about your podcast. Well, Buddy C was just on our podcast last week. I, I hope you caught that. And uh, that's fantastic. Uh, and you, you have a really good sponsor. So I'm glad you are hooked up there with uh, Buddy C. And he says, I love your podcast. And I heard about the Facebook group, and I thought I would like to join. Keep and to keep learning more. Thanks for all you do, Kiri. So for those of you, thank you, by the way, Kiri, for writing in. I appreciate it. For those of you who are not in the super duper secret Facebook group, just go to your Facebook application, look up Sober Speak Secret Group, and ask for admission, and we will get you on in there. Carrie's in there. You get to meet Carrie. You get to meet a bunch of people. You get to meet probably, I don't know, I think there's 2,000 or so people in there. So uh, you won't be in there alone. I'll put it that way. Ryan writes in, Ryan says, hi, John. I live in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Point Pleasant. Say that 10 times quick. Anyway, I'm 45 years old and I'm married with a doggo and kitty cat. <laughs> he says, my sobriety date is May 21st of 21. Oh, by the, t- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a few days ahead of releasing this, but I know that by the time that this is released, that you, Mr. Ryan, will have one year sober. And he says, I would have celebrated 16 years that February, but started smoking cannabis that January. You know, that is the second time within um, a feedback today, listener feedback, 
of the sober de la sober speak that we have heard the term cannabis. Somebody else mentioned it a little bit earlier. And you know, everyone when I was younger, everyone just said pot and stuff like that, you know, pot and reefer and whatever the case may be. But nowadays it seems like cannabis is the word of choice when it comes to talking about uh pot. And, and that's not good or bad. I just just, you know, I have to observe things every once in a while, and that was an observation. Anyway, Ryan continues on. He says, I can now say AA saved my life twice, three, excla- three exclamation points. He said, I just found your pod a couple of weeks ago, and I joined the Facebook group today. I loved guests. I love today's guest from Alabama. Uh from, oh, that's Buddy C, who lost his son, uh, got a lot out of it, and my dad passed away on August 19th, 2018 from multiple melanoma at age 67. And then he says, thank you for your service. Uh, a big peace sign, a big heart sign, Ryan, and he signs his last name, but I'm not going to say it, but it does start with a P. I guess I can say that. Okay, everybody, that wraps us up for Uno Mas Semana. Hopefully, we will be back next week. God bless you. Uh, Keep coming back. It works if you work it. May God bless you and keep you until then. Be well, friends.